to another episode of Starve the Ego, Feed the Soul. I'm your host, Nico Barraza. If you're new here, please leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. Helps the show grow, reach more ears, uh, really helps us a ton. So I would appreciate if you do that. And if you don't know, uh, I coach folks in a one-on-one setting, whether that's individuals, couples, or athletes. Head over to www.nicobarraza.com or click the link in the description for the show to inquire about coaching and to learn a little bit more about what I do with clients. And um, I would love to work with you if you think it's a good fit and reach out via email and we can chat about it. I'm so excited about this week's guest, Miss Jillian Tarecki. I've been following her on Instagram for a while now. She's so well versed in so many things having to do with relationships and individual self-empowerment. And I find her writing to be very blunt but compassionate and one of the things i really admire about jillian is that when she writes and this this takes a lot of skill to build over years of writing is that she doesn't leave any stones unturned and i kind of talk about this in the episode with her you know as a writer or someone that's putting out content around mental and relational health on the internet uh there's a lot of stuff out there where people We'll write a meme and some copy and there won't be a lot of like caveats so that so meaning that someone will read this and then you know respond to their own trauma and use it to sort of empower themselves to stay the same or to blame or to victimize or all this other stuff right and it takes a really incredible writer and thinker to be able to write in a way to sort of overturn all the stones that way when you write a piece you have a meme with copy um, it really sort of means the same thing to every individual that reads it so that way no one can misconstrue it or to use it to sort of, you know, um, harm themselves or harm another. Right. And I really appreciate that about her writing. It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard line to walk. Um, it's something that's consistently in my mind when I'm creating my own content. And I really try to be uh, as transparent as possible and as open as possible and as forthright as possible when I'm creating content for everyone, because as you all know out there, there's a wide variety of people that follow, Um, accounts like mine on the internet, whether it's, you know, 16 year olds to 70 year olds and up and, um, you know, of all, of all genders. So I'm really a huge fan of Jillian. I love her work. Uh, She is a NYC based certified relationship coach, yoga teacher and writer who for 20 years has been studying the body and mind. I will link to everything that she's involved with social media wise in the show notes. So be sure to go check out her social media if you don't already follow her. And if you're listening to this podcast because you're a fan or a follower of Jillian's, I hope that you follow Starve the Ego, Feed the Soul, and you head over to my Instagram at thatbarazaboy. I'll throw a link to that in the description as well. And you engage with me and you become part of this community as well too. Um, And again, it's, it's such a great honor to be able to speak to Jillian, sit down with her for an hour and go over so much stuff in this. You guys are gonna love it. Um, Really, really heartfelt, deep conversation as we always have on this show, I feel like. Um, But she is a, very special human being. And um, again, I've already said this, but I really appreciate Jillian coming on the show and I'm a huge fan of her work again. And I, I love what she's putting out there. I think it's helping a lot of people. So here we go, y'all into the show, Jillian Turecki. Jillian, thank you so much for joining me on the Star of the Ego Feed the Soul podcast. I'm so excited. I've been following you for a bit now on Instagram, and I have to say, I absolutely love your writing. Um, there's a few people on Instagram who I follow, therapists and coaches, who uh, ve- like pretty much all the time when I see someone's writing, I'm like, yes, so 100%. You know, I'm a very analytical person, so I, I rarely do I agree with someone all the time, and I find myself consistently like fist pumping to your writing. You know, I really connect <laughs> with it. it. I think it really you do a great job of sort of um not leaving a stone unturned you know i think one of the dangers of you know therapy or coaching on the internet i run into is um sometimes you know there there can be a lot of gray area and and it's left to interpretation of the viewer and so someone's own trauma and trigger can kind of play into that and then they'll be sort of empowered to live the same patterns they've been living and they, they kind of only search for things that kind of stick them in an echo chamber And I I think it's very difficult as a writer and uh, as someone who's into mental and relational emotional health to do it so well where um, you kind of, like I said, cover, you know, every or don't leave a stone unturned. And I find that with your writing, um, you know, quite often. So I just want to say well done. And I'm, I'm a huge fan. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join me. Well, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for for your kind words. 
You it's, it's it's definitely it's you know people it's tough because you don't want people to run with their stuff and mm -hmm. misinterpret so you do run that risk all the time so i appreciate it yeah you can tell um you put a lot of thought and and heart into <laughs> into each you know word that hits the yes. hits the paper so um let's start with giving some myself included like how did you become a relationship coach how did you get into this work uh, yeah. You know, everyone has different various stories, but I'm sure yours is, is quite unique. So can you give us some background? Yeah. So um, I've been a yoga practitioner for, um, I would say, 22 years. And I taught yoga for about 18 years. Mm -hmm. And so I've always been... <clears throat> obsessed with the body and the mind and the relationship between the body and the mind. And, and in that is really the relationship with self. And I've always, that's always been fascinating to me. Um, I've also, you know, always been, um, you know, someone in love with love and, and, you know, always wanting to find that amazing relationship and always wanting to be in love. And I was, you know, a serial monogamous uh, for most of my life. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I had, you know, I guess it's more common than not. I mean, I would say that my relationship background has ups and downs. I've had really healthy relationships, but ones that maybe just went on too long and then, you know, went past its expiration date, you know, maybe I stayed too long and he stayed too long. And I've had, um, I've had one really, really unhealthy relationship when I was in my twenties. And I see that as sort of like a, a notch in the belt, <laughs> just like a learning experience that I think that, you know, is valuable for everyone to go through at some point, uh, as long as it's not too detrimental. Right. And I've had, you know, short relationships, long relationships. And, and I met someone many, many years ago. I, how long ago has it been now? Like almost 10 years ago. And that was the person who was going to become my husband. And we had a good relationship, a really good relationship. However, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. There were red flags for sure that had I been um, as... Uh, embodied and knowledgeable as I am today, I would have definitely, or as brave as I, as I am today, I would have definitely have um, paid attention to those red flags. But anyway, we got married and uh, the marriage sucked. I mean, it just was really, really tough. Um, we, we just, it was a lot of like, you know, the old triggering, my daddy issues, his mommy issues. And it was just like, like that. And there was some other stuff that's just um, really intense and, and, you know, deep. But, you know, the reality is, is that we were two people who um, didn't know how to communicate mm -hmm. and didn't have enough insight into our own stuff to be able to take full accountability, to be able to, in my case, stand up for myself um, and probably in his case too, eloquently. Um, and we were two people who were incredibly connected and incredibly compatible in many, many ways. So, you know, and I, and I, I add that because you can be, you can be incredibly compatible and very, very connected and it could still you know, not work out. Mm -hmm. And, and that's very confusing to people. Yep. Um, but anyway, so it, it ended and it was really catastrophic the way it ended. And this is not in any way to put him down. I mean, he's taken no accountability for this. I'm way, we're both way past this. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, he broke up with me over the phone mm -hmm. and, uh, my mom, I just found out that my mom had two months to live. She had been diagnosed uh, just a few months prior with lung cancer. And that day was just the day that my life fell apart. You know, it was just one of those. I was like, wow, I was like, this is what this is when people talk about, you know, your whole world falling apart. Right. And, 
you know, it was, it was, it was a very, very, very dark time in my life. And I, um, remember because I have a dog and, you know, she kept me outside, you know, otherwise I probably would have never left my apartment except to go teach class. And it was a beautiful June day in Brooklyn and I was sitting outside and my dear friend, who's also a really amazing coach, not a relationship coach, but different kind of coach. Her name is Anna Goldstein. And she found me, she was also living in my building. So she was a neighbor and a friend and she found me and she sat down next to me and, you know, she knew that something was wrong and she had known my husband and I kind of told her and, you know, we just had this really long conversation and, um, somehow Tony Robbins came up because Tony Robbins was a very big part of her life. And I knew Tony from like, like infomercials from mm-hmm. back in the day when I was a kid and I was like the infomercial guy. Like I was so, I mean, I was very entrenched in the wellness world through yoga. Sure. Like that was my community. And then I had like a whole like and New York City crowd community that was totally separate from anything that's good for you. <laughs> like, you know, like the totally different vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was so not like this is 2014. So I was not even I was like barely on Instagram. I had no idea about the coaching world or the personal development. I was so not part of that world. Anyway, she said, you know, I really think that you'll resonate with some of the things he has to say. And I have some videos that um, I can send you. These are stuff that, you know, maybe you can find on YouTube now, but back then you couldn't. And I was, my nature is to be very skeptical. And so I was like, I'm, I'm literally was like, I'm probably going to hate it. And, um, you know, I, I watched these videos that she sent me and it was like a light bulb went off. It was like, this is what's going to help me. And this is what's going to help me figure out what the F happened in my marriage, because I was very confused and determined to figure it out. Um, and that led me down, a a long journey of, um, you know, what kept me, I had a lot of help, you know, I went to therapy twice a week, I had my sisters, my mom couldn't help because she was too sick, um, which was incredibly painful. Um, I went, you know, I, I listened to Tony every single morning. I ordered his stuff. I went to his events. And then I was like, I have to teach this. I like, this has given me in this short amount of time, I understand what happened in my marriage and where I went wrong in many ways to contribute to it, also to contribute to my own self-abandonment. And I understand like, and I, and, and equally important, I understand his perspective, which I could never understand. And in such a short amount of time, I had so much insight into it, even though I've been, the therapy was really helping me process and mourn. But when we had gone to couples therapy, it was an, it was a total failure. It was a complete and utter failure. And I thought, you know what? Like there has to be a paradigm shift in when helping couples because this is not working. And so this, I was like, I'm going to get certified. I went to school. I spent thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars on myself and my education. Mm. And I was obsessed and I've been obsessed every day since. And I started with, I want to work with couples. And then, um, I decided that, uh, you know, I'll, I work with certain couples once in a while, but I really like working with the individual. Um, I love working with people on different phases of their journey. Those who are heartbroken, those who are single looking for love and those who are in a relationship. So, I don't know if you wanted that much information, but that's basically it. And so here I am. <laughs> yes, please. That is that is an, an incredible. Um, there's two things that just stick out from that story. And the first is this sort of like dark night of the soul with your mom and the separation. And um, yeah. I would love f- for you, uh, for your opinion on this, because um, for instance, like one of the beautiful things you just said is that you were looking for a way to look introspectively at the unhealthy things you contributed to the relationship because you couldn't previously see those things. And I can speak worlds to that because there were so many times in my previous relationships where I thought adamantly I was so right. 
I was so logical. I was being so fair and uh, I was not, I was being completely unfair. Uh, there were times I was an asshole. You know, there was some, there was some mm-hmm. very much like times I, I, it was on me. It was my fault. And there was some mm-hmm. mutual contributions where it was both our faults, you know? And yes. I think that one of the things that really resonates with me is that when you when you saw you know Tony Robbins videos it sort of shifted that mentality of of looking inward for solutions for healing you know and do you think like it's almost a prerequisite to experience sort of some sort of rock bottom type feeling of life to get there or do you think that people can get there without loss and grief and suffering people can but they often don't mm. um you know Pain is what motivates us to change way more than pleasure. So I think that we will do much more to avoid pain than we will to seek pleasure. And so, you know, it's it's usually when we are um, when we hit rock bottom that we just sort of wake up. So that's one way to look at it. And I also think that. And this is, uh, you know, this is more my for lack of a better way to describe it more, my more mystical spiritual side um, speaking, which is that I think that when we reach that rock bottom, that dark night of the soul, we become seekers. We want, we want to know the truth. We want to get out of the pain. And so we are open as a result, we're more open because we're desperate. So we'll listen to anything. We'll try anything. And, and, and hopefully in, in, in that you find the right teachers or the right help. Wonderful. So let's, that's a great segue into the second part was that you went the coaching route, right? You could have got an MS or an MA in psychotherapy. You could have got a PsyD, PhD, all these different ways, right? Why the coaching route? Um, Well, I went the coaching route because, you know, I am a daughter of a psychiatrist and in his field, a well-known one. And I, you know, had been in and out of therapy. I mean, I'm a New Yorker and I'm a Jew. So it's like, you know, therapy is like part of the deal. It's like totally (laughs) normal. I think it's normal for everyone now, but growing up, it's like, you know, you just go to therapy. Um, So... I've been in and out of therapy and and have found at times tremendous value in it. Um, I went the the coaching route because I wanted to go the Tony route, honestly. And I wanted to, I wanted to learn his way. And I, and he has a, an incredible, he has a mentor and a business partner who's my, one of my mentors and, um, and, and was one of my mentors. And I, you know, worked with coaches who were trained under him. And I just thought that this, this makes much more sense to me than, um, going to school and, and learning all that stuff. I didn't, and this might be really, um, you know, kind of a bogus thing to say that might upset certain people. I didn't find it necessary. Um, because, and I think it's because I had such a bad experience. And this is not to put down therapists or therapy at all. Again, I'm, I, there are lots of people who come to me and I say, I can't work with you. You need to work with a therapist. Mm -hmm. But, um, my experience in couples therapy was really bad. It did not help at all. And it's not that it didn't help. It's, I don't measure the help in terms of, you know, well, we should have worked out our relationship. It was that there was just no clarity brought to our relationship, even if it had to end. There was no clarity to our behavior. And I did not have any interest in learning more about that methodology. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, that makes it makes so much sense to me because um, I think and again, I, I'm such an advocate of therapy. I'm working on my like second master's degree right now in clinical therapy, but I am a coach currently. And I and I don't think I'll ever practice through the like lens of a therapist, but I want to be able to accept insurance in the state I practice. And that's pretty much the only reason. And I want to work with psychedelics because I want to get into psychedelic assisted therapy. Mm -hmm. But to stay on this coaching note is that I felt like, you know, just using your couples therapy as an example, a lot of times it's so hand hands off. There's, there's little like interjection, like, no, 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 no. Like this is what you're doing. 
and it's really unhealthy and it's unfair yes. to put that on someone else and it's coming from probably this area of your childhood or this past relationship and i'm not saying all therapists do this but a lot of them are, are taught uh with the methodology depending on what school they go to to be so hands-off and so sort of yes. objective that they, they don't interject and they're just like hey and that's sort of what you were looking for is that sort of hard-nosed clarity of i need some guidance I want, it, yes i want i wanted i wanted to become an interventionist really because that's what most people need is they need an intervention in those in those moments mm -hmm. they yeah. don't need someone to just you know listen about your past they need someone to be very very direct with them and to take sides and there's an amazing um uh therapist by the name of terry real mm -hmm. he wrote um he's written several books and he works a lot with men and men with depression but he's he's a great pioneer of, of teaching therapists how to um, especially people who therapists who work with couples to take sides mm -hmm. that you should take sides yep. if it's if it's going to create change you, mm -hmm. you should take sides yeah and I think it, it wakes people up like I don't want to clap in the microphone but it's kind of like a you know it's just some mm -hmm. people are so enthralled with their dynamic and their codependency and this sort of like you know uh, like relationship of the opposites with someone that's anxious and avoidant and you have all these different polarities coming in where that they need someone to just clap between the two and be like no like what you're doing is is not fair you know yes and and, and to play it as a nuanced person but I think someone that's not connected as a third party that has no emotional investment and I think that's that's where I've noticed the difference between coaching and therapy specifically and again not all therapists practice that way some of them are very much like we'll call you out and call you out on your shit which i love yes um but i think that that's probably why a lot of people gravitate towards coaching it seems like why you were pulled in that direction um it, does your practice sort of start if you when you like meet with someone is it always about like self-reflection you start at the self versus like the relationship um you know, it really just depends. I mean, first I, you know, when I first meet with someone, I want to hear their story. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, some people just need advice. Right. And some people need um, to reflect on their relationship with themselves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of people who come to me have done a lot of work on themselves and they have a few blind spots. And what they need is to look at the circumstance differently. Um, and because we get very, very, very attached to our perspectives mm -hmm. and our stories. So sometimes it's just about showing them a different way to look at it and then giving them some really concrete advice. Sometimes it's more, you know, I have certain clients where it is more of a journey into the self and they're trying to really make, um, you know, huge changes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but, but. The relationship to self is is always is always there. I love it. Um, so I want to read. You posted a, a wonderful meme the other day, as pretty much every day you post, and I want to read it. It's a little long, so bear with me. But I would love for you to like expand on it because when I read this, I was like, "There's so much yes in these words because it really entices an individual to look at their role in a relationship versus just exit it and blame everything on someone else." Right. So yes. so here we go. Uh, before you end your relationship, learn how to communicate. Before you end your relationship, have the conversations that scare you. Before you end your relationship, see where you've judged instead of appreciated. Before you end your relationship, be vulnerable. Before you end your relationship, face your resentment. Before you end your relationship, know their needs. Before you end your relationship, meet their needs. Before you end your relationship, meet your own needs. Before you end your relationship, stop blaming. Now, these are so, so simple, these lines, but so powerful because it really is like before you just take off and run and do the same thing you've always done, stop and look at the other side of the mirror to just see what maybe you haven't been seeing, right? Yes. And yes. Is, is this something, is this pretty much like the ethos of what you do with people one on one is looking at these areas? Yeah. I mean, like I said, if I'm working with someone who's in a relationship, because I work with a lot of singles too, okay. um, I, um, yeah, I'm always, okay. Because if someone comes to me, whether they're, they're with their, their partner or they're alone and they're having all, you know, all these problems is 
Well, first of all, I think that people in committed relationships, I think they give up too quickly. And I think, I, I think, of course, there are people, of course, who stay too long. But more so than not, what I have seen is that people give up too quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's because they feel helpless and they feel hopeless. And they're so... They're so incredibly um, attached to the story that they have about their partner and about the relationship. And, you know, and it's and it's tragic because you have to be able to see your part. And it's not just how you contribute to the dysfunction. It's literally like you know, okay. So one thing that I say all the time, that's, that's not popular, but it's true is that the number one problem that I see in relationships is selfishness. And it's really hard because there's so many people who identify with being an overgiver or, you know, codependent, or they give so much, or they have really weak boundaries or they're too nice or they don't stand up for themselves. And all of that is true. But even the nicest, most nurturing and loving of us unconsciously, we don't mean to be, mm-hmm. you know, we don't mean to be manipulative. We don't mean to be selfish, but we are because what happens is we get afraid mm-hmm. and it becomes about our survival and we start seeing the other person as the enemy mm-hmm. And we don't actually see how we get very obsessed with how our needs are not being met and how we don't feel loved. And we don't think enough about how we're not meeting their needs Mm -hmm. and how we're not showing them love. And part of that is also skill. You know, we just weren't taught how to communicate in a way that makes the other person feel seen and heard while at the same time we're stating something like a boundary that doesn't work for us. You know, like mm-hmm. we just never, so, so few of us were taught this. Mm-hmm. So before you end your relationship and run away, because I'm telling you right now, you're just going to repeat the same pattern. You're just going to attract the same person in a different form. Mm-hmm. It's just going to keep happening over and over and over again. If you don't, actually face this in yourself and people don't know how to be vulnerable they don't know they're too needy mm-hmm. you know and they don't meet their own needs or they're too selfish because they don't they don't even know what their partner's needs are they don't even have this conversation because no one's teaching them it's yeah. not it's not our fault it's not anyone's fault we're just not taught this which is why i want to teach it um yep. so yeah I hope that answers your question. <laughs> no, oh I have a huge grin on my face. If you, if you guys can't see via the video, yeah. you're just listening. Um, mostly because I'm nodding my head so much because uh, I really needed to hear this probably about three years ago, you know, yeah. um, because I was in a, a deeply loving relationship, uh, much like the one you described. I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with this person. Um, and I kept asking for her to show up more. You know, I wasn't, I didn't feel emotionally connected. I didn't feel X, Y, and Z. And it's not like those things were untrue in certain circumstances, but. I'm sure they were very true. When the relationship ended yeah. the second time, me looking back and really looking at everything and trying to look like trying to stand in her body and her soul as I'm talking to her and, and hear what I was saying and from her perspective with her upbringing and, and all these different things, right? I realized that. I thought I was being extremely selfless and there were points where I was being extremely selfish and I was mm-hmm. blaming her for being selfish. And and you're speaking to this, which is until we're ready to see it, you're not going to see it, right? Until you're really right. ready to see what you're doing, you're not going to see it. And you have to be open to that. And for me, it took rock bottom to, to mm-hmm. jump on your wagon here. I just, there was no other way I needed to lose such a deep love that I cared about so much to crack me open enough. You know, I was already a very open person, but there was still some, some rigidity there to crack me open enough to be like i, I want to look at everything you know as much as i can yeah. you know it's not it's not a a shot for perfection but it's for progression you know i want to be better yes. and and then seeing that i was like wow the thing i was asking for the most i was not fully giving hmm. which is so ironic wow. right because you know i was saying you know i need you to show up for me more you know you're you're being very i use the word selfish quite a bit you know at the end of the relationship and then when i look back i was like dude 
I was also being selfish. I was also withholding, mm-hmm. pulling back, you know, I was responding mm-hmm. in that way. Um, mm-hmm. And this isn't to criticize myself, obviously in a negative way, but it is to hold myself accountable to the realities that were happening and not let yes. myself just flippantly be like, well, it was all on her. No, no, no freaking way. Like I, yeah, I equally yeah. contributed to that. And it wasn't because we didn't love each other X amount. It was because our, the narratives we were playing out in each other's minds were things we had concoct, concocted about each other and we weren't living in reality together. You know, we went to couples therapy as well too. It helped decently, but I honestly think we might've needed a coach to like shake us up and be like, guys, like this yeah. is what's going on here. You know, yeah. like you both have to put in logs to this fire or it's not going to burn. You know, it's, yes. just, it's just how yes. it goes. Um, yes, exactly. I really respect you saying that. Uh, it's, it's intriguing to me when, you know, clients of mine have these aha moments when I'll frame something a different way and they'll just be sitting there like, Oh shit. I've never, I've never thought about that before, you Mm -hmm. know? And, um, Mm -hmm. if you would have told me this three years ago, I would have hopefully think I would have listened and been ready, but I really don't know because we don't know what we don't know when we don't know it. You know what I mean? And so when I was in it, I was like, I'm reading all these books, you know, Don Miguel Ruiz, Paulo Coelho, like all these, you know, man, I'm like warrior of the lighting it out here. And, uh, I'm just still acting on my own shadow in, in various ways, you know? Um, yes. And the unfortunate thing is when we're with someone else, it doesn't only hurt us, it hurts the other person, you know? And I think that's why it's like more of a code red even to have a relationship, better relationship with yourself before you get into a, in a loving relationship with someone else, because, you know, you're setting them up for a little bit more compassion, empathy, because you have more compassion, empathy and awareness of yourself. Therefore you can give it. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So one of the things that I want to talk to you about, because I, whenever I have a a dating or relationship coach or therapist on this, I always bring this up is dating Mm -hmm. apps, right? Mm. Uh, I get so many DMS that people are asking me like, where are the conscious men? Where are the conscious women? You know, I'm going to yoga class. I'm going to, I'm in graduate school. I'm going to the bookstore, you know? Um, and I'm like, these are, these are great questions. Uh, I really don't know the answer to them because there's so many people on this earth and and it's, I think there's some randomness to it, but there's also some energetics where you can, you know, put the energy out there and hopefully attract someone you're aligned with. But in your opinion, you know, (laughs) what, yeah, you're like, you're like, let's go. Um, (laughs) You know, dating apps, first of all, yay or nay, and then why? (laughs) Um, It depends. And I, and I wish I could say yay or nay, it really just depends. I think for the person who is terrified of his or her own shadow. Um, I think this is more women who struggle with this, but you know, from, from my experience, um, cause I work with both men and women, but, uh, for the one who she never, they never put themselves out there and, um, they are, you know, really good at isolating themselves. Then I say, get out there, put, you know, start a, or they've been stuck right? They're just stuck. And I say, you know, I've, I've said this to a client recently is I, I run this mentorship group with a, which is like a group coaching, a six month group coaching program. And I said recently to one of the members, I said, um, you know, and she had been held back, um, by, you know, a situation that was absolutely not in any way nourishing, like not even a little bit. It's like, it's like non-existent. Yeah. And, um, I was like, you need to get, create a dating profile now and just get out there mm-hmm. and uh, just as, as more of a symbol and a metaphor for, of, you know, you kind of taking your life, you know, by the reins and, and, and creating some action. Um, and some people I say, get off the dating apps, you know, you're stressed, it's exhausting, mm-hmm. you know, it's just become another thing that you scroll, you are speaking to energetics, like your, your, your mate is moving further and further away, the more that you white knuckle it, like I have to meet this person, I have to meet this person. So, okay, so I've been approaches from a, from a lot of different perspectives. I think that there is, like I said, I think there's value to just living your life and living it fully. And one day, as you're living your life fully, you will meet that other person who's living their life fully and and the stars will align and you will connect and you will start a relationship. That's my, that has been my personal style since, you know, I was 
dating since mm-hmm. I was a teenager, basically. Um, but for some people, and and they have done it with great success, they're like, no, I don't find it stressful. I'm just like, I know what I want. I want to put myself out there. And then I'm like, go for it. That's fantastic. Don't just wait on the couch or don't just, you know, live your life. Set up some dates. Tell everyone, you know, that that you're that you're available. Like go on a dating app. So it really just depends. You know, the unfortunate thing about today is that everyone is just so disposable, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how people are treating other people. It's like, yeah. it's another phase to swipe. And I understand people are feeling very discouraged about the apps. Like yeah. I, I really, really get it. I think it's sad. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's dark and sad. So where to meet someone. So, <laughs> this isn't going to be the most popular thing that I've ever said, but you no, know, maybe not. You think you're going to meet the conscious person, you know, man or woman in a yoga class, and you're not necessarily going to meet that person there. doesn't mean you're not, but you could meet the person who is super, super toxic, who's like trying to like get their life in order. <laughs> and they're mm-hmm. just, they're on day one yep. in that yoga class. Like that's not necessarily the conscious person that you want, you know, there's, or you're going to meet the person who's just there to meet women or to meet men, you know, like you're not necessarily going to meet the conscious person in a yoga class. And I say that as someone who has been, had been teaching classes for 18 years Mm -hmm. and there's lots of, and I, and I love my yoga community and there's lots of great people in there, but I've seen all sorts of people in and out in my class over those many years and not all of them were conscious people. So that I just want to, you know, let's just get that off the table. If you're a woman, if you're a heterosexual woman and you don't know where to meet men, go to events and things where there's going to be men, not when there's going to be a bunch of women. Mm-hmm. Like a yoga class is not where you're going to go meet a guy. That's where you're going to go meet a woman. Mm-hmm. Because like, even though there's a lot of men who practice yoga, there's a disproportionately larger amount of women who practice yoga than men. Mm-hmm. So in this country. So I don't know, go to like an archery class, <laughs> go take a sailing class, like mm-hmm. go learn some landscaping, like go, go to um, a, a lecture you know, on science, mm-hmm. like that's where the dudes are going to be. Right. And there might be some conscious ones there too. They don't all have to be like at a meditation studio or a yoga studio. That does not make them conscious necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so if you date men, go to where the men are. If you date women, go to where the women are. Yeah. And it means really stepping outside your comfort zone. But I'm not going to lie. Of course, it's hard. Mm -hmm. But I also really believe that we're never really denied anything. And I, I really, really know this to be true. If you can learn to appreciate your life single and not hold yourself back. Oh, I'll do that once I'm in a relationship. I'll do that. And not hold yourself back. You create an environment internally where you become very attractive Mm -hmm. and the more attractive you become the more people are attracted to you so that's that's really what i say to people all the time the other thing that i tell people all the time if they're single looking for love is figure out what you want Mm -hmm. Like know yourself. Yep. Don't be be loyal to your de- like. Figure out your deal breakers, your non-starters, yep. and be absolutely loyal to them. And at the same time, figure out what you're willing to tolerate. Because guess yep. what? You're not going to find everything in one person because you certainly are not. So you have to figure out if you're willing to, um, you know, be with someone who's got a little bit of a belly. But like they're incredibly handsome and <laughs> they take care of themselves, but they got a little or they're they're incredibly cute. But just got a little bit of, like, you know, little things like that. Like if you're willing to tolerate um, someone 
who uh, is messy, Mm -hmm. you know, but like they're an incredible person, like figure out or they're or you're willing to tolerate someone with a little bit of anxiety or you're willing to tolerate someone. You know, I, I get it from the time all the time, particularly from women. You know, I I just want and I just want him to communicate more. I want him to talk about his feelings more Mm -hmm. like he's so shut down. And then as soon as he starts talking about his feelings, what does she say to me? God, I wish he would shut up. Uh Mm -hmm. And do you know how many men I've worked with who are like, I'm confused. Yep. You know, like what, what what is, I'm, I'm confused. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, you have every right to be because your woman, she doesn't mean to, but she's manipulating the hell out of you because she wants you to open up. But then when you do, then she thinks that you're kind of a whip and it's, it's awful. And talk about accountability. We really have to think of, think about the mixed messages that we give. Mm -hmm. So to, to the, to the willing, what you're going to, what you're willing to tolerate, you know, when it comes to communication, you want someone to be totally vulnerable and open and communicative. First of all, are you? Mm-hmm. And second of all, is that really important to you? Or is it more important to you that they are totally open to you when you want to talk? Right. And they listen. Right. I find that I really appreciate you bringing that up because I find that when women ask for honesty, like blunt honesty, and they get it, if a man's emotional, they're like, well, wait, wait a second, where's my stoic man? Where is this like, you know, like steadfast masculine? And I'm like, that, that is perhaps <laughs> exactly. some of the shadow feminine sparking up because it is quite manipulative. And that's what we teach our little boys, unfortunately. And that's why we have this perpetual cycle of a man has to be a certain way. And then women are let down because like, I never know what he's thinking or feeling. is isn't communicated it. And I'm generalizing, we're generalizing here, but this happens more often than not. Right. I mean, there's there's nuance where it's the opposite too. Um, But Absolutely. You brought up the the term of uh, being disposable, right, in this culture, and and it kind of morphed into what you were talking about, which is contentment. Until we build a life internally that we're content with it ourselves, that we're we're a full self, um, we're going to consistently lo- look for contentment from our partners, and that puts a whole shit ton of pressure on someone who certainly didn't sign up for that, you know. And I can speak for right. myself where. I wasn't content before my last relationship and certainly I put so much pressure on her to make up for the uh, lack of self-love I was missing, you know, yes. and, and that's just not her job, right? Yes. Um, and, and and I think that, you know, it's interesting to me and I'd love for you to expand on this because pro- one of the issues with, with swipe culture and disposability of dating apps morphs into the actual relationship core too, which is that when things get hard, I'm fucking out because there's 8 billion more people I could swipe on tonight, you know? And I think that that's gotten worse as dating apps have gotten more popular. Social media has risen into power because every single second there's a new butt on Instagram. There's a new set of abs on Instagram. There's a new like beautiful written post on Instagram. And so we we have all these sort of individuals at disposal, but like you brought up Jillian, like it's, you're going to get yourself in the same situations. And at some point we have to say this person's good enough. We're willing to work with yeah. them. You know, they're willing to work with us. Cause don't forget everybody. Like you have your own shit. You're coming in the relationship with, you know, I think yes. one of the things I tell my clients that are single is they're Everybody's like, I'm looking for these things in a partner. I'm like, cool. What are you doing to work on those things within yourself? You know, absolutely. So that way, when you get Always there, they're like, hey, wow, you've been doing this work too. You know, not just like they're not. You know, you're actually ready to receive that kind of stuff. Yes, yes. And I think that you know, the more exp- the older one gets, and the more experience they have in relationship, the more they recognize what is really important to them. And then they're able to prioritize, you know, and they're more realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, your expectations have to be somewhat realistic. And, and, and I think that, you know, you meet someone, you feel safe with them, you feel adored by them, you feel sexy and you want to build and you have a similar viewpoint on life mm-hmm. and you want to build a life together. And, and there you go. And, and that's, I mean, it's not that easy, but it's very, very simple. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're going to fight once in a while and, you know, you're going to, you know, maybe one of your deal breakers has to be that, you know, when there's a fight, 
the person doesn't run away. I think that's a pretty okay deal breaker to have. You know, it's like we fight, we figure it out. Mm -hmm. And that's it, you know, but more often than not, we don't, we have to see how we are contributing to whatever problem we're having in a relationship. And that's just, and, and, or whatever problem we're having finding a relationship. Mm What are we doing that's actually getting in the way of us finding a relationship? Are we saying yes to people we should be saying no to? Are we showing up and pretending that we're someone who we're not? Mm-hmm. I mean, people make all sorts of mistakes when it comes to find, you know, finding love. Hundred percent. One of the things, like yeah. one of the patterns I notice is that if it's not volatile, it's not interesting. If it's boring, mm-hmm. it's not meant for me because it's just right. boring. And a lot of times boring means stability on some on some levels, right? Yes. Um, one of the things that gets brought up a lot is you brought up sexiness. And after you're in a relationship with someone, two, five, 10 years, 20 years, right? I think one of the biggest challenges is maintaining a level of desire and sexual intimacy, yes. you know? Yes. People get bored, they stop paying attention to each other's needs, they have kids, they all this other stuff, they get, you know, and then and then they just, they stop appreciating the person because they, they expect them to be there. It's been five, 10 years, right? And they stop like wearing sexy things, they stop making sexy comments, they yeah. stop, you know, building yeah. sexual intimacy. And then they wonder why their relationship fizzles out and they get divorced or something goes wrong or someone cheats <laughs> because it's like goes from consciousness. Every you're you're putting your heart and soul into this, and it's on the same level as your your personal and professional goals. And then five years later, it kind of just goes down here. It goes down the yes. seesaw because you're just like, ah, oh, she or he's gonna be there. You know, they're my partner. They're always gonna be there. When yeah. you're working with clients, what are some of the things you tell people to maintain? It's so funny because this is the subject of my next video. So um, I got a question from someone saying, you know, my partner and I are going through this really big dry spell and I don't know if this is normal or unhealthy. Um, So you nailed it. So, you know, I think that, you know, if I'm working with people and they're going through something like this, the first thing, it really is a relationship to self. It's like, so where have you become boring is basically what it comes down to, um, you know, how much has stress robbed you of your, um, of your, of your happiness? Because, you know, in order to be attractive to someone sexually in order to, and and in order to be in the mood to have sex, like to, to feel good in our bodies, we have to be like, surrendered a little Mm -hmm. bit we can't be uptight like uptight is like the opposite of sex Mm -hmm. right so we have to be sort of relaxed so stress robs us of that right so we get in our heads you know all of that um also what tends to happen in a relationship when when passion goes away is that there there there's a lack of polarity and this is, it doesn't matter if you're in a same sex relationship or not. Basically, um, you know, the person, uh, one person thought, you know, who used to lead a little bit is no longer leading, even though like sometimes I think leadership actually really has um, a give or take. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, lack of polarity, like someone, here, Pola- the la- polarity is made possible when two people in a relationship are not overrun by their stress. Stress is what leads to a lack of polarity, meaning, um, you know, it's when people stop becoming, they're, they're not mysterious anymore. They're not having fun. They're not trying, you know, the, the one who likes to be feminine isn't actually trying to be, you know, isn't doing anything to really feel feminine in their body. And same with, and same with, and the man, um, or those, you know, the person who identifies as masculine, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I want to make sure I'm saying it correctly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, you know, they, they, they don't, they're not doing that, which they should, you know, that they normally do to make them feel embodied. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, anyone who does it, who feels detached from their bodies, detached, what makes them feel powerful and, and strong, whatever that is for each person, when you are not connected to that, you lose sexual interest and you become less attractive. Mm-hmm. It's 
just the bottom line. And so in the beginning, when we're falling in love with someone, we're not just falling in love with them. We're actually falling in love with who we are when we're with them. Mm. And when we go through that dry spell, we're no longer in love with the person who we are. You know, it's like, so there's, we're just, we're our stressed out version. A lot of people after years of being together, they will have a lot of resentment Mm -hmm. because I don't know how to communicate and resentment does not, is not good for sex. Uh, A lot of men can be, feel resentful and have sex. Women really cannot. Um, And I think men have a hard time too, but for women, it's really, really, really difficult Mm -hmm. because we have to feel open and we have to feel safe and all of that. Um, And then there's just the case of habit. You know, we get really comfortable Mm -hmm. and the other person is really warm and cozy and safe. And we stop trying to do the things like, you know, relationships need separateness. You know, we're spending too much time together. You know, we don't we don't spend a weekend apart or a week apart building, you know, sexual tension. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't we don't go out on dates or, you know, like we're, we're not doing the things that we did in the beginning. That all being said. You're, we're a fool if we think that the sex 10 years in or two years in is going to be the same as it was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's just not. And I want people to get over it. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is. But what will be replaced could be something better in many ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you keep deepening your emotional intimacy and if you keep and if you make sure that you have enough separateness in your togetherness you can you can explore parts of yourself and parts of your partner self and your bodies in ways that you maybe were not comfortable to do in the beginning Mm -hmm. but it's an effort it's an effort it's just the way it is and everyone has a choice you can stay you know only having short relationships and where it's really really exciting and the sex is really exciting. And, and you know what? In the beginning, I don't know. Is the sex really that great all the time? Mm-hmm. Not in my experience. I mean, you know, I, I prefer to like be a little bit more comfortable. And then it's like, then you can get like, you can really get down. You know, mm-hmm. it's like in the beginning, it's fun. It's exciting. You know, maybe your knees go weak when you kiss the person. But intercourse, I don't know. It's like not always that amazing in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. You can continue to have your short six month, one year relationships because you're chasing that high. Mm-hmm. But every person I know or have spoken to who has done that has felt really empty inside. Yep. So somehow that just doesn't work. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a drug, if you will. You know, you, re- you release yeah, dopamine, serotonin, serotonin, you know, X amount. And I think that's, um, you know, one of the one of the sort of follow-up questions i have to that would be one of the largest questions i get is repairing after infidelity or betrayal right and i think that directly relates to uh sexual intimacy not always but a lot of times you know this is a couple who has been together for a long time and it can be either the person that's embodying the masculine or the feminine to stay on the polarity um sort of train Uh, but do you think it's possible to repair after a, a breach of trust like that um I yes penny already yes okay um yes it depends it depends yeah, I've right it. I, I know i've i've had i've worked with yeah i know people who've done it so, so so you know people have done it for people that have done it what are some of the key things that the couple is embodying or practicing after a situation has unfolded that helps them maintain the relationship rebuild trust trust each other again you know get over shame yeah. and grief Well, um, number one, the person who cheated has to be totally responsible and remorseful for the pain that they have caused their partner. Without that, it, it, you will never, it will never repair. 
So there has to be tremendous remorse and there has to be tremendous accountability there. Um, and they have to be very patient with the person that they cheated on as they heal and answer questions. Cause there's going to be a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. And that's really the first stage, right? Because to, and, and not every infidelity is the same. I mean, someone could have had an, a, a double life right. for years with someone else, mm-hmm. or they could have had one night of an indiscretion. Right. In my book, those are two different things. Yeah. And one night of indiscretion is a lot easier for most to recover from than someone living a double life. Totally. And I don't know if the double life is forgivable, to be honest. Especially when there's love involved, I'd say. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, it's a whole double light. Yeah, I just don't know if that's forgivable. In my book, it's not. Mm. And I wouldn't actually advise anyone to forgive that. Mm. That's me. But, you know, an affair that is shorter, once there's all that accountability and both parties want to repair, then we have to look at what was going on in the marriage or in the relationship that led to that. And what was going on in the individual who cheated mm-hmm. in that person's life. Because mm-hmm. usually when someone cheats, what they're, what they're, it's not about the person that they cheated with. It's about the person who they are when they are with that person. And then why aren't they able to be that person in the relationship? Most of the time it has nothing to do with their spouse and it has to do with you know, something that they, you know, stress, Mm -hmm. stress is always there and ways in which they have not been true to themselves and they haven't communicated or they haven't done the things that make them happy. So the affair is the escapism. Mm -hmm. It is the drink. It is the line of Coke. It is the pill. It is the ayahuasca. It is, it, you know, it's, we have to call a spade a spade. It is the thing that they use to escape. Mm. So we have to look at that. And then we have to look at, well, what was going on in the relationship? What needs were not being met? How is the, how did the other person, they're not responsible for the infidelity, but they are partially responsible for their relationship, not being where they want it to be. Mm-hmm. And one, and, and then there can be repair. And I think that really the best, um, the best expert on this is Esther Perel 100%. when it comes to infidelity, for sure. Mm-hmm. No question. And I, I, you know, I, I worked with a couple and they're, they're both actually dear friends of mine. I work with them and they, and they, you know, work through a, you know, repair of an infidelity and they're, they're going strong. And, um, this was very much the process that they had to follow. Yep. And now they have a new kind of marriage, a better one. Right. So it's possible, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, um, recommended and it's not doesn't necessarily mean that it can happen right there's a lot of things that go into the situation and of course you'd have to listen to you know two people's personal stories but it is possible i guess is the main thing depending on you know what's going on and and if you both want to continue the relationship too yes yes um, i think a lot of people have a trauma response immediately and they just like grab on really tight you know instead of like thinking about okay what's going on here how am i really feeling you know can i trust this person again can i trust myself again you know i mean it's devastating you Mm. know infidelity when you're in a committed relationship or marriage Mm -hmm. is is devastating because there's so many lies that go along with it most definitely Mm -hmm. yeah is someone that's been on both ends of that bus uh I can mm-hmm. I can speak to uh, I've never felt worse uh, personally than hurting someone I love deeply yeah. in that way right yeah um, it feels worse uh, to have hurt someone like that than have been hurt in that way just my own personal experience you know? yes yeah, some people do say that yeah, yeah. so uh, I can definitely reiterate that um, 
Well, Jillian, before I let you go, uh, we're already at an hour here, and and um, I want to give you the opportunity. You know what what new things are you working on? Are you are you writing a book right now? Are you, you know, launching new courses? What's going on in your world? Yeah, so um, you know, I am I am working on a book proposal right now um, on relationship, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's really exciting. Okay. Um, I, you know, I. I, ha- I am, you know, I have this heartbreak workbook that I, you know, I've been s- selling through Instagram um, and elsewhere. That's a PDF. I'm g- I'm getting creating a hard copy of that and an audio version that's going to be available on Amazon in 2022. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and I have my membership, which I, you know, is for women. Sometimes I feel bad because there's so many men like, can I join? I'm like, well, yeah, you can, but you know, it might, you know, might, might resonate, might not. So yeah. And I have, um, my membership, uh, for women and, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm always looking for new ways to kind of pump out content. So I'll be doing, going on YouTube soon. I love teaching. So and, uh, yeah. And my mentorship program where I just work with groups. So that's, that's where it's all headed. Wonderful. And you're most active on Instagram, but are you on the TikTok and Twitter as well? You know, I haven't gone on the TikTok game mm-hmm. yet. yet. And, uh, I, I think, and I'm not on Twitter. I think the next, the next stage for me, in addition to Instagram will be YouTube. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I think the long form content video, con- people really get a lot out of out of it from you specifically because you're really good on camera and even like your nine or ten minute mm-hmm. videos on on instagram i'm like man if she expands that to like 30 minutes it gets more into this people you know really are searching for that so. yeah so i think that's i think that's what i'll be going with yeah wonderful well jillian thank you so much for joining me today i mean we got into so many things and i would love to have you back on in the future maybe around you know when you get this book ready to launch and maybe yeah. you have a youtube channel or something i'd love to um to get together with you again and uh thank you so much for for spending time with me thank you it was a, it was a real pleasure to speak with you I really want to ask all of you listeners out there, if you could take a couple seconds, pause the recording real quick, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star written review that really helps get the podcast in more eyes, in more ears, um, and just really helps podcasts grow in in every aspect possible. So um, I would really appreciate it if you could pause it, go leave us a five-star written review on Apple, subscribe on Apple and Spotify podcasts, and turn notifications on so you get notified whenever we launch a new episode.